Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Neil Johnson. Uh, He's a professor of physics at George Washington University. We're going to talk about his work. Instead of me describing it, I'm going to ask him. He'll explain it better. So, Neil, thanks for coming. Thank you so much, and thanks so much for the op- this opportunity. I am a physicist, um, but unlike a lot of physics, in f- uh, um, which is aims to kind of break things apart and understand things down to the individual level, I do an er- I look at an area of physics which is actually takes up um, a significant amount of physics, which is what surprising things happen when you put together objects. So, for example, you know, put together water molecules and um, you've got something suddenly that if you take it to a right temperature, it can freeze and you can skate on it. It can also bring down a ship, the Titanic, boil it up and you create bubbles and um, which are suddenly these kind of correlated pockets of molecules that completely change from a, change the system from a water into a gas. And it's that aspect, it is that aspect of the system that where something collective happens, something happens to the system, you would never be able to predict based on the individual objects themselves. Huh. So examples well, of that. Examples of yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say, right, what, kind of, what kind of systems are you looking at? Yeah. You know, I look out the window now, you can hear some traffic in the background. That's traffic. And it's traffic at the time of, you know, as everyone's out on the street. Why is there a particular jam outside at this moment? Whereas five minutes ago, there wasn't one. And in 15 minutes, there won't be. Any. There's no reason. It's one of these like phantom jams. This is a phenomenon that's as, as common in everyday life. Look up at this. You know, if you hopefully everyone's got a blue sky around them, uh, you, you'll see birds collecting into um, flocks at this time, you know, starlings, etc. And why is it that they break up into these groups? They form these groups and they're ethereal. They're there for a while and then they merge and then they break up. Why aren't they all in just one great big group? Or why aren't they just flying around by themselves? Same with fish. And the same with people online. And that is the area of physics. If we can call that physics, I certainly call that physics. That is the area that most interests me and my research group at this moment. So, I mean, what system are you looking at? Just living systems like flocks of birds? Are you looking at inanimate systems? Uh, what you know? What's your focus? Yeah. So we came. I personally came from um, you know going back more going back centuries to when I did my PhD. Um, I worked on kind of the equivalent of flocks of birds or jams of cars. Of things called excitons, which were collections of positive and negative particles. It was always the interesting. Well, why do they go around with you know, sometimes there was one of one and one of the other. That was common. Or two of one and one of the other. Well, that was something everyone was kind of looking for at the time. Um, and if you take that into um, to topics such as, I'm sure people have heard of superconductivity, those kind of correlated collections, those pockets, those almost like um, communities 
of particles and why they hold together in a community and behave like a community as opposed to just a hundred copies of the same individual object. That underlies so much fascinating and important physics. We think previously of things like superconductivity and something called the fractional quantum Hall effect. But now people are thinking about quantum computing where you can get these kind of collections of objects to do surprising things that you wouldn't have, have, have thought. Well, I worked in that area and then one day somebody turned up to me and said, um, hey, you know, you're looking at this, you look at crowd behavior in particles and why don't you look at crowds in markets, financial markets? And naively I thought, oh, great idea, we'll go in and we'll, we'll nail that problem. Well, <laughs> that is a really hard problem, but it typifies what I'm interested in now and actually taught me something about physics. Because let's think of, for example, people like crowds of traders in markets. They're, they're getting information uh, from each other. They're also getting information from the outside that they themselves create. They create the movements in the market. And then they collectively respond to the movements that they themselves create. Now, of course, there's a terrible complication there, which is that there's also external news. You know, stuff happens in the world. And so that also affects the market. So it's really hard to unpick that behavior. However, I was fascinated by that problem. I still am. And that problem morphed into, while I was still looking at while we were still looking at it, an interest in, hey, well, people crowd in other uh, aspects of real world. Extremism. They crowd into, why is it? that people suddenly begin to, you know, why is it that lone wolves appear? Is it that, you know, they were just literally a lone wolf or was it that they were in a pack and they broke out and then a pack formed another pack. And then what you're really seeing is something being spat out after a whole set of different packs that they've been in. And so we started in 2014, really getting interested in what we were seeing online at that time, which was related to extremism around uh, ISIS. Not very pleasant topics, but it was fascinating because there was a system, unlike the molecules and unlike the birds, unless you've got all day to look at the birds, we knew yeah. the size of the flock because you can see online the size of the communities that are created. You can see their overall activity and you can see what other communities they're connected to. Now, just at the risk of, you know, not wanting to sound like a kind of Cambridge Analytica, I mean, from what the claims are against Cambridge Analytica, none of that involves asking a question about the individual bird, the individual molecule, or the individual person online. It is all to do with the community, some sizes of which are 100,000 up to a million or more, and asking how, like the birds in the sky, why is it they move as one? Why are there two? Why are there, which we found at that stage, 200 communities that were supporting ISIS? I mean, were they just, they just didn't know about each other? Or was it that they were interested in different kind of flavors of that support? And so that was something that um, we published out in Science in 2016, and it, it mutated that interest into then an interest in extremism in general, and now what we're looking at, which is vaccine hesitancy. Well, I mean, any system of anything, birds, people, whatever it is, I mean, they, you know, there's an identification with the group. There's still a, a preservation of self. And then because there's an identification with the group, I mean, the group responds to, I mean, each individual in the group responds to its own stimuli and condition, but the whole group as well 
does the same. So correct. I don't know. I mean, what, like what mystifies you about this? Uh, at least in terms of living systems, I can see. Yeah, okay, it would commonly happen with non-living systems. That's different. But but what mystifies you about this? Yeah, I mean that's a that's that's a great framing of that question. Well, the point is, once an object, be it a molecule, be it a person, be it um, somebody in a community, once you're in that, you, you, it's exactly as you said, you've got your own internal compass, as it were. You've got presumably some, um, and that as a physicist would call it, you know, you've got some internal kind of variable, internal spin, you might say. Um, there's some external field, which is probably coming from the, you know, that's the news. And then you've got the local interactions. Of course, online, there is no such thing as local. Everything's next to each other. But you've got the interactions with the other objects within your community. And so there's a competition. There's a competition. There's your natural direction. There's the direction that you're being kind of, quote, unquote, forced into by external news. And then there's the direction that's because of your neighbors, the neighbor effect of up to 100,000 people in the same community as you, kind of promoting certain types of views. And so the competition of those three, that's the thing that interests us. And how robust is that? Does the thing just dissipate? Why is it that some grow really quickly and others don't? Why is it that some become more extreme? Why is it that some end up opposing COVID vaccines? What's going on with that? And of course, you know, immediately it sounds, whoa, you've gone way off of physics. Yeah, okay, but it's like pursuing the problem rather than thinking, mm, is it still physics? Well, I, I still class it as physics because it's to do with so-called many-body interaction systems, which is a core thing in physics. But um, it brings in sociology, it brings in, and it brings in all of us. I mean, it's a very real problem in that sense. Well, how do you get a size of groups online and who the members are? It's kind of like, kind of like uh, I don't know, I guess gaining access to the group without their knowledge or infiltrating it. I mean, what's... Um, no, no, these are, these are, we're not looking, and so I say the word group just in a generic sense. We don't look at Facebook groups, for example. We look at the pages, just pages on Facebook, just pages. They're public, public. We could sit and look all, of, all day at um, Facebook pages and look at the size of them, look at how often they're posting what kind of thing they're posting, all of that is public information and it involves no information about any individual. It's just, you know, what kind of, what, what starts them off on conversations? What, what, so, I mean, what have you, um, I would guess in any group, you have like um, an 80-20 effect. There's a few very vocal people within any group that, you know, steer and guide the conversation. And then a vast majority of them, I'm sure, are like lurkers, silent lurkers. Um, yeah, correct. I mean, correct. I would, Absolutely. Just like in a group, like a social group, when we used to have social groups in the real world, um, you know, you go out with a group of twenty people. Yeah, there's some that are just kind of dominating it. Some that are kind of are just kind of lurking around. You're not even sure who that. You know, I thought it was a friend of you. No, it's a friend of no, not a friend of anybody. And then there's the kind of silent majority that just kind of sit there and are kind of you know occasionally making comments. And that is the particular area of people that we're interested in, just because their opinions can tip the balance one way or the other. We're not interested in the individual. You know, I'm an on-the-fence guy with a whole bunch of stuff because I probably haven't thought very well about it. I'm not very smart in other, you know, thinking about things. And I just kind of go along. You know, how many of us have been in a 
a situation of, um, you know, we're with a group and uh, where are we going to go eat or something? And oh, we'll go here because so-and-so from the group knows best. Oh, well, I just kind of go along with it. Mm. Well, okay. there's a lot of that online. And particularly what we found, you know, today of all day, well, the, the um, you know, this morning, today, you know, so every, every day there's news about vaccines. But um, these, this, these months, every, all the time, there's things being announced. There are then people reacting within the communities. And what we found is the tipping points, the, the large communities that presumably, from what they say, they seem to say, they seem to be you know, worried about the kids, worried about kids' safety and these kind of things. They're ones that have to go and get vaccines like you and me. And yet they're, they're a community of pet lovers or they're a community of exercise fanatics or they're a community of yoga lovers or, you know, whole foods, food lovers, uh, organic food lovers, foodies. And yet at this particular moment, they're being exposed to material to do with vaccines. And every so often they're saying, yeah, what would we do? And suddenly because they trust each other, there's an element to which that field that I talked about earlier, that's like that one site, you know, the local field within the community begins to outweigh the external field due to the news and their own internal, possibly their own internal compass or spin. And well, so I would I would be careful in this environment. I mean, there's I, I've personally witnessed tons of censorship. Um, there's also plenty of groups that have uh, you know accounts on various social media that are not real and they're orchestrated to um, give opinions and have personas and all that so I mean in studying this stuff you, it might be very difficult I mean or it might be a great signal but um, I don't think these are very natural groups what's going on right now you know a flock of birds is not necessarily going to have all the you know the dynamics that are going on with with COVID and with vaccines in, in general correct um, possibly correct because there was always that, um, particularly, I mean, when you move to the political sphere, um, 2016, etc., it was, you know, it's meant to be managed and there's certain actors. And we always tend, though, to think that there are a few people orchestrating the behaviours. And when we did, I mean, our study on, on precisely this problem of the vaccine hesitancy, which was published in Nature in, 20, in uh, a few months ago, um, what we, we, we didn't find that kind of hierarchical structure. We, of course, there are some communities that are more active, that are more embedded, that are more, quote unquote, influential than others. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. But we saw something a little bit more, I think, more scary than I mean, it's the easiest thing if there were particular actors, then social media companies could go after those particular actors. They'd be kind of quote unquote guilty. I mean, it's the classic thing of, you know, that that's what everyone used to hope with extremism, right? If they radicalize agent, who did it? Who was the one? Who was, you know, who can we, you know, can we convict? Who could depends on what your perspective is. So, you know, if you're law law enforcement. But what we're seeing is that it's actually more, particularly for this case of the vaccinations, it's more organic than that. Let me get a particular example. So there's a lot, a lot being written about QAnon, of course. Absolutely. I mean, there are Q, the idea that, uh, you know, that there's some kind of um, deep, deep state involvement, influence that's kind of playing out. But deep down in that, deep down in that, there are a lot of people involved with that that don't necessarily buy into the idea of the pedophile rings, et cetera, but do 
hang on to the message of the save the children. And that just that hook line, save the children, is like a, you know, that that's something that then drags in whole sets of other communities that I've never even thought probably may not have even heard of you. But then, you know, they've never heard, they don't believe in Pizzagate, they've been to the pizza place in DC, they know there's no basement, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So this interaction, what is it that makes pockets of people, 100,000 people, shift one way or another is, of course, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a really important question for the political sphere, but bring that into the health sphere. And that's going to have serious consequences. Well, I mean, are you under the premise that uh, a vaccine will be safe and effective? Or, you know, there's a basic assumption there that I think some people have that it won't be and they yeah. may not trust it. Exactly right. And that's what we see play out then in these, you know, we label in our paper, we label ourselves. When we go and look at these communities, we do not look at individuals, we just look at communities. But the communities, since they're groups of trusted people, it's like going out with a group of 20 people. If there was somebody who you really, nobody could put up with, they kick them out. So these communities tend to be, tend to be like to some degree similar thinking about one issue. They may be pet lovers, they may love German shepherd dogs, they may, you know, whatever it is, they've got something under which they kind of trust each other. And so we go through and we look at these communities and it's exactly as you say, it's not that the people are one way or the other, of course they would be if you go and, if you were to go and ask individuals, but so are the communities. And since the communities of size 100,000, et cetera, when we look at our map of, yeah, there might be like a, a thousand communities that we found across just say Facebook, that are talking or embedded in some way in the vaccine discussion happen to be at this moment. That's a that's up to you know it's a thousand of these clusters. Let's say hundred thousand people in each of them, which is a typical size for a community. It's a hundred million people. It's a hundred million people. And so mm-hmm. understanding that network, you know, we're not in the public health business. We're not in the any. We just want to understand the system. We want to understand how it's connected and therefore why is it that when, for example, Facebook goes and shuts down what they think is the biggest flock of birds or the the biggest community that is influencing everyone else, it seems to have little effect. That's because they haven't really got a network picture. And it's that network picture of of communities connected to other communities. That's what we try to build and and do the quote unquote network science or physics of what's your end goal you say you want to understand but what are you, what are you trying to understand yeah i i think i mean i just have a very simple <clears throat> I'm not a philosopher i know nothing about any of that, but it seems to me that you can't win any kind of battle any kind of misinformation battle or any kind of you're trying presumably i mean presuming you're on the quote unquote the good side you can't win that without a map of the battlefield i mean how can you even go about trying to bring people over to your side that maybe the vaccines are okay or maybe you know extremism is not right-wing extremism is not a good thing to be following or make what you pick or maybe climate change denial is not the thing to be following. you're trying to bring people over to your side how can you do that if you don't understand the battlefield in which you're operating and there's a big mistake i think in my opinion based on our work that we see in terms of just just a congressional hearings. It's typical, bring in the largest actor in the field, which is uh, Facebook, et cetera, tell them they're not doing enough and um, 
And then Facebook reports back, oh, we've shut down 50,000 accounts, 100,000 accounts, 200. Yeah, but there's 50 billion. So, well, how can how can anyone expect to, to understand? I mean, do you want to understand to understand or do you want to understand to co-opt? It sounds like we, we want to people un- want to understand to co-opt. It's not like we, I hear the labels that, you you know, climate change denier, vaccine anti-vaxxer or vaccine hesitant. Like it doesn't sound like there's there, there wants to be an understanding to understand. It sounds like there wants to be an understanding to control and to no. squash. No. I'm very much a believer in not that that and that that was my point about the congress you know the typical approach is to go in and shut down the count. I'm not. I don't think that should be done. You know, but imagine me. Oh, good. A, imagine me in a class of physics. You know, somebody saying, "But hey, doesn't the electron go right? Get out!" You know, that's wrong. As soon as you say something wrong, you're out the class. Like, well, again, in the in the class. arenas that you're studying, that happens. Like you know, I wouldn't. It doesn't. If I was if I was the authorities, I wouldn't be surprised at all that you know they don't understand what's going on and things are not working and people are resistant because by them saying that they're not understand. Like, I guess it's a foregone conclusion, and the assumption is that oh, of course, for instance, like oh, of course, vaccines are effective. What's wrong with these people? Why wouldn't they they think that? But you can't assume that you know if you do that and then you think oh, how do we control them or stop this descent? I'm totally in agreement with you. Yeah. So my, uh, to, to get to, if I, if, so to lay out, quote, unquote, an end game, as you, you asked me to do, I, our, our belief is that it's, in, it's not, it shouldn't be, I mean, people should be allowed to have the opinions they have. So, and sometimes, for example, the, the discussion about the microchip being inserted, which is a problem, that was based on a scientific paper. That isn't a piece of, you know, the people that believe that, they're not wrong. They shouldn't be chased down. They're actually citing a scientific paper that was published at the end of 2019. Um, so you have to be really careful about just kind of stamping out, kicking out. Um, that's not the way to engage. Getting back to my point then is that it's only by having a map of and seeing these large sets of on-the-fence communities, they are the ones that are looking for information. They are the ones that need to be, that would benefit and probably welcome bigger engagement of information from establishment, but not information exactly as you said, not the standard way now. I've got so many examples of this from the communities we look at that, um, you know, go to the, go to this website. Here's all the information you need about vaccine. That's not useful. Precisely. They're in a community talking about vaccines because they don't find that useful. So bottom line is from what we're trying to do is it's like, you know, first step is just get, look what's out there. That's what we're trying to do first. But then once you know what's out there, you know that you, you can, and we can see it already. Anyone looking at our paper in, um, in Nature a couple of months ago can see immediately that going in and trying to target some of these, what we call red, the anti-vax, is, is, is hopeless. It's hopeless. And it, oh, first of all, it's, it's not right to do because they have their beliefs but that's not the way to change this system it's like you know just i'm going to get rid of bugs in my yard by looking at the ones that have three antlers or something i mean that's not the way to do it we're trying to develop the understanding so that more effective kind of engagement can take place so somebody should be engaging the anti-vax community about this story about the microchip but unfortunately all I see is, oh, that debunked. We right, exactly. That's, that's what I see on every single article. Yeah, 
that's oh, that's a false. That's misinformation. That's debunked. Okay. And yet, right. it's not. As I said, it was actually. I mean, I can, you know, to give out the reference. It was in uh, one of the, the journal. It was published by a group. Uh, I think most of them were at MIT. It was funded by Gates Foundation. It was published in Science Translational Medicine at the on the 18th of December of 2019. And they know that. The anti-vaccination, I, I shouldn't even call them anti-vaccination because that's, you know, they have more, they see themselves as choice, but they know that and they feel offended, rightly so, when they're told that that story is not true because they know that, that, that that's actually there. So well, if you get it, like, you know, recently, for instance, like with vaccine, Qantas Airlines says, oh, you're going to be required to have a vaccine to fly. Correct. And the U.S. Ticketmaster says the same crap. So what do you expect people, like they're being forced, of course. they're being labeled, of course, they're going to react with yeah. hell no, you know, yeah. they're not going to trust it. And, and, and it, you know, it also speaks to like, why are there these tactics? Why is there this labeling and name calling and censoring and all the other stuff? If things were so good and so virtuous, you would think that this wouldn't be needed. It makes no sense. Correct. And, and I, I think that, that cognitive dissonance is the root. Of, I mean, even if you talk to these people, and you tell them this, that, and the other. I mean, there's still like that that disbelief has just been fostered by what's going on. By you know, it's like, do what I say, and that's it. And we're going to label you and cast you out if you don't do what we say. I mean, anyone would react completely like you know they'd fold their arms and they would close down to that. You know? Correct. And it's um, opening up the wider issue. You know, when we were looking back at um, you know how some of these people ended up in um, just the other field, you know, extremism, etc. I mean, it's the same idea, just telling people that that is bad isn't, you know, it can push them further. So I completely agree with you. The engagement is poor. And so you need to improve it. How do you improve it? You see what's out there. You see what they're talking about. You see what type of stories gain traction, but you don't squash it. You try and then see which piece of your network, which of the yards had that particular type of bug. And if I do a little bit of ecosystem understanding, maybe that bug can coexist with another one and not grow so big in terms of population. I mean, blah, 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 blah. That's where right. we're ahead because I do that kind of modeling. But it's very, very different than the kind of, there are bad guys, we're gonna get you and yeah. getting you because what you're doing is bad. It's just bad. And that I completely agree with you. Just labeling it as bad, labeling them as wrong, is itself wrong. How is your physics background come into play here? Is it mathematical modeling or like what, you know? Yeah, I'm going to put my, using? quickly put my math hat on here because that, that we, we therefore have a system. Imagine the system now. The system contains three types of, um, of macro kind of collective object. One is the kind of community that supports vac you know, vaccines like a Gates Foundation, that's a, you know, their Facebook page, say, for example. Another is a community of, say, moms or dads that are very concerned. They may have all, you know, contact, or they may have an autistic child or an idiot, and they sort of deep down believe that it was, they've never been the same since they had those vaccines. They are a, another um, a community, and they may be on Facebook, but they may now have been chased off onto Gab. They're on the, maybe they're on Gab, they're on some of the other um, less regulated platforms. And then there's a third, which is this kind of, well, I'm actually a foodie. I've never thought about vaccines, um, but now I'm kind of, I'm not sure. That's a third type of particle. So my math hat on, you know, we used to dream of having more complex, you know, when you're doing theoretical, you always kind of 
inventing more complicated models, even though you, you know you can't unfortunately pinpoint any empirical data. But here it's almost like the most complicated system I can think of. It's not just two, but three types of object. Uh, you know, think of three-sided football, either US or U European, you know, what would three-sided football look like? You know, imagine that, you know, there can be alliances, there can be, you know, everyone's fighting everyone else, one side is, but it's absolutely complicated in terms of its dynamical behavior. So that's really what I, what we then go in and try and look at what certain interventions might do mathematically. Hmm. Interesting. So I don't know how, I mean, it sounds like a massive undertaking. How far along are you in some of your modeling and any, yeah. uh, any surprising yeah. insights yet? So one of the surprising insights is that we believe that you can manage, forget, forget about the content for a while and think about the delivery. So we find with this three-sided, and you can almost, you know, if anyone's with us on the analogy with three-sided football of any, however, whatever, whatever version of football you want to think about, imagine there are kind of lulls in the game between two sides. What would the third side do? We find that, for example, that if instead of the um, messaging, instead of going hell, you know, kind of as soon as you see the opponents doing a lot of stuff, you go and do a lot of stuff. If you sit back and watch how the other two sides engage and then go in in the quieter moments, there's, there could be a lot of impact in that. So the, the forgetting the actual messaging for a moment and thinking of the delivery, nobody wants a pizza, even if it's the best pizza in the world, you know, kind of wrapped up into a ball and thrown at the door. It's the delivery as much as the actual content that is important. And so we find in our types of modeling, which are kind of ecology-based, but they're also from the uh, physics angle, they're kind of the same physics, same physics equations as for lasers, they, that they have these kind of surprising solutions that we are beginning to think, how could they be translated into a messaging? Hmm. Okay. I guess there's the famous three-body problem in physics. So It is that. This is, uh, it this is, is the that. Theory. The three billion body problem. In fact, when I leave you now, I'm off to teach that three body problem because I'm teaching the course on chaos and networks. And it's exactly that. I mean, it's hard enough to be a graduate course and it's hard enough that I, I'm even trying to solve my own take home final and not sure that I got it quite right. So, yeah. And that's what's the attractive part from a physicist's point of view. Do you think there's going to be any uh, analog of Heisenberg uncertainty? That's a great question. It's, I do, that's a fantastic question. Um, you do, you might think that with the communities, the more you try to pin them down to a topic, the harder it, so it's almost like pinning down their position, the harder it will be determined how much, how, whether they're shifting, how quickly they're shifting, a kind of momentum. I haven't got there with that, but that's a great point. That's a great, great idea. Yeah. And I wonder at what level um, a group is no longer a group. Yeah. You know, or, um, how many people within a group, like what percentage of the group um, is required to advance idea and to change the, uh, the focus of the group? You yeah. know, is it 10 percent? Is it, you know, et cetera? Well, I think, Richard, you're onto a good thing there. You better pat patent that idea, that theory, because <laughs> I think no, that's I don't, a I don't good know. idea. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, very good. I know that you're, you're short on time. So what's the best way for people to find out more about your work? So I, on my website, if you go to Google GW and Neil Johnson, they, could, they can see a list of papers there. And also, I mean, for better or for worse, uh, our work has been, um, it seems to be um, talked about quite a bit now 
again for better or for worse and um, but it will be it's interesting to follow some of those journal journalistic um, pieces because you also get you know I'm biased I think the way we approach it is quote unquote a good way but you can also then see um, competing views people who think no 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 they, they don't go for the system view look at individuals so yeah that's that's what I recommend okay well very good well, Neil thanks for coming on the yeah, podcast I appreciate it yeah I really appreciate it thanks so much Richard thank you If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.